Well, how are we doing, Unleash? Everybody good? Hey, I just got to say this, man. I love our band. I, I really do. They, I just love those guys. And uh, that last song that we sang, No Other Name, it's, uh, everybody should have gotten a CD when you came in. Um, it's on that CD. It's the title track of um, the CD. And it's one, I mean, it's, uh, dang. Anyway, so I'm glad you're here. Hey, and if you're next door, um, I'm glad you're here. And, man, we're so pumped. And um, sign up earlier next year. All right, so if you brought a Bible <laughs> with you, hey, it fills up every year. So, I, and we, listen, we're honored that you're here. I know there's a lot of people literally from all over the world, um, and it's always been your dream. You've always looked for a reason to come to Anderson, South Carolina. And I know that. And so we're honored that you're here. But seriously, there's a lot of people. You got on planes. You got in buses. You crammed in church vans. We know how crazy that is right there. There's already been a fight in the church van on the way. And then you better clean it up when you get back or the senior adults are going to be really PO'd. So I'm I'm, just, it's crazy. So, uh, but seriously, I'm glad you're here. And this is our goal today, all day long. I just hope, um, and we hope as a staff and our volunteers, by the way, our volunteers, do you just love... Our volunteers, my gosh. Um, It is our goal that you leave here encouraged. Um, uh, If you don't hear anything that I say or anything that's going to be said in a breakout today, this this is what we have prayed that you leave with, that your church can do exactly what God has said that your church can do. If you don't get anything else, I mean, some of you could just go home right now because your church really can do exactly what God has said your church can do. And that's what I, I want to encourage you with that. I hope everybody believes that today because I believe that by the end of the day, God is going to either lead some leaders to take a step of faith or he's going to so, show many churches that you've got a big step of faith coming. So if you brought a Bible with you, I want to go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And uh, while we're setting this up, um, I, I, I was really praying um, about the well, I start praying for the next unleash after the last unleash. So I was really praying and, and, and about what God wanted me to say, and I had this really cool talk. And about three weeks ago, God said, "You're not going to give it," um, because I was reading through the book of Joshua, and I read Joshua chapter one, and and it just blew my mind some of the stuff that I saw in Joshua chapter one, and it made me think about in my leadership, specifically. In church leadership, but this is any leadership. This is leadership in a business. This is leadership at home. This is leadership anywhere you go. In my leadership, some of the biggest mistakes that I've ever made is when I haven't been paying attention. We make mistakes sometimes when we get careless. When you and I get careless, it's really easy to make mistakes. And and so I I started thinking about this. Um, Back in October of last year, we decided, well, way before October, but we decided to do this really cool creative thing where I was going to travel all over the United States. We we're going to shoot video and we we're going to kind of do this Christmas service where I was in New York, LA, and Vegas. I mean, if you're going, I mean, that's a sweet trip right there, especially Vegas. Um, and so we we're going to travel all over the United States and we left on a Sunday. And I don't want to forget this because I preached two times that Sunday morning. And if you're a pastor, you know. You're never thinking right when you preach, correct? Like you walk on stage and you're preaching, you're like, okay, what do I got to do after the message? And you got to go home, and then you got to pack, and you're like, I'm probably going to forget something, so you throw everything. So it was a very, very, very um, scattered day. I got back here to the church. We go to the airport. We flew out of GSP. It's a smaller airport, and we flew 
um, we flew to New York on a plane designed for Oompa Loompas. So, and, and so you know, this is small. It's just real small. So I'm in there, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be crass. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm just telling you, I knew the trip was going to go really bad when somebody on the trip near my seat had gastrointestinal issues. You know what I'm saying? Like, I needed a Pentecostal friend to cast the demon out of them because it, I mean, it, and it wasn't just once. It was the whole trip. It got so bad that the guy sitting next to me finally went, oh, I was like, I know, bro. I'm with you. I mean, if I had a pair, I mean, I would have thrown somebody. So, so that's going on. We land. In New York, I do not drive. Um, I, we, we're going to hire somebody to drive me around, and, and our, us around. There's a whole crew of us, film crew and cameras. They, they didn't show up. They didn't pick us up. So we're kind of standing around baggage claim in New York. And, you know, I'm, you know I'm, I'm not from around here. So, I mean, I'm definitely the guy that sticks out in New York, okay? We finally, get, I mean, we finally get to the hotel. We had some complications there. We get up to the room. And listen, to top off the perfect day, I discover that the coffee maker in the room is broke. Yeah, see, over here, this side over here, obviously. Non-coffee drinkers over here. But, like, like, that's a big deal. I judge a motel room on clean towels and coffee. And, and I could, I could, so I, yes, praise God. So I, so I decided the next morning I would get up, and there's a little restaurant in the lobby. I'd get up and walk down the restaurant, no problem. So I'd go to bed that night, and I was like, it can't get any worse. Get up the next morning, I'd go down into the lobby. It's 5.50. Because we had to be up early for just film. Because you got to do what the cameramen tell you to do, okay? Doesn't matter. If you're a pastor, shut up and do what the cameramen tell you to do. Just, 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 just be quiet. I mean, you're going to be like, really, you want me to walk up that hill one more time? I've walked up that hill 500 times. Yes, but the angle. Okay. Adjust your scarf and let's get it done. So, so you... <laughs> So I had to be able to find, so I, go, I get down in the lobby, and it was this, it was like, um, I found the restaurant, I walked up, and I was like, hey, ma'am, um, can I get a cup of coffee? We're not open yet, sir. Okay. Can I get a cup of coffee anyway? You know, because it's like maybe 10 minutes. No, we start serving at 6 o'clock. Oh, you're one of those people. I didn't say that because I'm trying to be Jesus. Um, So I walk outside New York City, 5.50 in the morning. I've got on Converse low tops, gym shorts, and a cutoff shirt. Didn't stand out at all. There's got to be a Starbucks. So I'm trying to find a Starbucks. I can't find the Starbucks. Later on, I realized I was walking right in front of it. I come back in. Finally, the waitress sees me. Now it's after 6 o'clock, and she's eager to give me my cup of coffee. Sir, would you like some coffee now? Yes. And so I get the coffee. I get back up to my hotel room. I'm, I'm sitting at like 4.32. I stick my key in the door. It doesn't work. And I don't know if you've ever had one of these moments with God. You're, there's, listen, there's a lot of people here. You're a lot godlier than me. I had this moment with God. Come on! <laughs> For real? You got farting guy on the airplane. You got the driver not picking me up. And now I can't, I can't even get in my room. So, as a man, we typically, like when the remote control's not working anymore, if you push the button harder, maybe you can get it to work, right? You know what I'm talking about? 
So I've got the key, and I'm doing this right here. I'm shaking the door. I'm doing this right here. Nothing works. So I walked back downstairs, and I walked up to the lobby. And at this point, I'm about to lose my mind, but I'm really calm. I said, ma'am, my name's Perry Noble. I'm standing in room 432. Your key does not work. She said, well, Mr. Noble, do you have some identification? I said, well, actually, I do, because I was trying to get some call. Anyway, so I pulled out my identification, and she, she does this. And then I see her do this. She went. What's so funny? Mr. Noble, you said you're in room 432? Mm-hmm. You're actually in room 332, Mr. Noble. So now I'm thinking about the poor guy in room 432 that he hears his door shaking. So I got back to my room, and I'm like, all right, God, you're going to teach me something out of that, right? And God's like, yeah, I'm going to show you how dumb you are sometimes. But that's what happens to us sometimes as church leaders. Church leaders, sometimes we get frustrated, and when we get frustrated, we take our eyes off of what we're supposed to be looking at, and that's typically when we make mistakes. Listen, most church leaders I know really do love Jesus, really do have big hearts for God, and no church leader wakes up every day going, God, let me screw this up in your name. Amen. (laughs) But we do, don't we? Every person in this room, including Captain Stupid here, we've made mistakes. We've made mistakes. We, we've done, I mean, we've done, you know, small mistakes. We've done medium-sized mistakes. This afternoon, I'll tell you about a $2 million mistake I made. That was a lot of fun. We all make mistakes. And the reason we make mistakes, listen, it's not because we're stupid. It's because so many times we get caught up, listen, in ministry because every, every person here today your, your life can change with one phone call. Your day can change with one phone call. You and I are going to deal with distractions. For Hey, guess what? We're in the people business, and the last time I checked, there's a lot more people on the planet this year than there was five years ago. And a lot of them are needy. Many of them have your cell phone number. <laughs> so what I've discovered... In 12, in, in 12 years of leading this church, is it's imperative for me to stay focused on the Lord, to stay focused on his word. While still, Listen, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but I don't want to make mistakes. Now, I'm going to make mistakes, but I don't want to make a mistake because I wasn't listening to what God said. So I want to go through the, the first chapter of Joshua, about the first half of the first chapter of Joshua, because I was, always, I was just in my quiet time the other day, and I felt... God prompted me with about four things. And I don't use my quiet time to prep messages. But after this, I began to realize that these are things that God is saying to me. But I really do believe with all my heart. These are four phrases or four things that we can write down that I believe God's saying to church leaders. And if we'll focus on him, listen, I'm not saying that we're going to be mistake free. I'm just saying there's going to be a lot less mistakes. Um, So here we go. Number one, if you're a note taker, I think the first thing God's saying is let go. Let go. Now, not let go, let God, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I think that's a dumb Christian T-shirt. If you've got that one, it's dumb. <laughs> Just let go. Um, in the book of Exodus, a guy named Moses shows up, right? Most, in my opinion, one of the top three leaders in the entire Bible. Led a major relocation project from Egypt to Israel. Unbelievable. People complaining, screaming, crying. 
God's killing people, opening up the ground. I mean, Moses had an unbelievable leadership journey. And then, right when he gets to the, ch- the children of Israel, to the promised land, remember the, you remember the story? He climbed a mountain to have his quiet time, and God killed him. You remember that? That's how people are, how do I know if God's done with me? He kills you. That's how you know. <laughs> when God's done, he kills people. That's, hey, I've got, I've got verses. <laughs> so Moses has his quiet time and goes and meets the Lord. And then, and then you got to think about Joshua. Now think about this for a second. Think about Joshua. Think about Joshua. Joshua was with Moses for like 35 or 40 years, right? Between 35 and 40 years. Was his right-hand man. I mean, there were times where Moses left the tent and Joshua stayed there and prayed. Joshua was the the new leader in Israel. He was the guy that was going to take Israel to the next level. He was the guy that God had said, Moses, this guy is going to take my people where I'm not going to allow you to take my people. But Joshua was tight with Moses. Most of us in this room probably have a leader or a mentor or someone in our lives that we're older, or they're older than us, and we're tight with them. Like, if they called us today and they said something, man, it would matter. But then Moses died on the mountain. Now, think about how you would feel if your mentor of 35 years that you hung out with, how would you feel if they died? Now, that, that's kind of a heart-wrenching moment, right? Like, you, you're probably going to mourn a little bit. You're probably going to feel bad for a little. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. And then we we get to Joshua chapter 1. And God, God obviously has not read a lot of leadership blogs. Okay, if you're going to give somebody some bad news, tell them how awesome they are. Tell them they're a snowflake. Tell them they're special. Drop the bad news on them. Give them a hug and a lollipop. You know, that. okay, God missed that memo. Because this is how God starts out Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. (laughs) Can you imagine that? Joshua has his journal out. All right, God's going to speak to me. God, what you want to say? It's not, hey, man, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. Moses is in a better place. People say stupid things when people die. I just want you to know, oh, they look so natural. Look dead to me. And so I, we say stupid things. But God just showed up. I got a word for you, Joshua. What? Moses is dead. For real, we're going to go there right off the bat. We're going to go to Mo is no Mo right off the bat. And I remember reading this. I was like, God, okay, why, why couldn't you start out with something sweeter? Why couldn't you start out with something nice? Why do you have to go to the Moses, my servant, is dead? Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. The first thing God said is Moses is dead. You know what I think God is speaking to Joshua in that particular text of Scripture? He's saying, you got to let go of Moses. Because God knew something about Joshua that he knows something about leaders like me and you. If God does not constantly tell us to let go, church leaders would rather not advance to the promised land, 
but climb mountains and search for what God used to have his hand on, what God used to bless, what God used to walk with, what God used to anoint, but God took his hand off of it. And while we are called to lift that up and we are called to celebrate that, God says, you know what? I've killed it. It's time to move on. You've got to let go of what I used to have my hand on if you want what I've got my hand on now. You and I as church leaders have to constantly let go of things that used to be anointed, right? You and I as church leaders, we have to, take, we have to talk way more about our dreams than we do our memories if we want to get on with what God wants us to get on with. So what is it in your church today that God is saying you got to let go of that because it doesn't work anymore? Listen, if the horse is dead, don't say it has issues. Don't call a committee meeting to study the horse. Take the saddle off the freaking horse and go find one that's alive and can get you somewhere. Are we tracking? And I know it's hard. Half the people clap and half the people know you're going to have to go kill programs. Listen, what in your church? Let me ask you something, staff member. Let me ask you something, senior pastor. Let me ask you something, volunteer. What is it in your church that's going on that drains the life out of you? And as a pastor, as a staff member, you're going, you guys need to be here Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. And in your mind, you're thinking, if they didn't pay me, I wouldn't come. It needs to die. Well, some people are going to get mad. Hey, people get mad. They're church people. They just get mad. <laughs> They've been mad for 40 years. They're going to be mad in heaven. This music's too loud. <laughs> All we sing is that holy, holy, holy song. But these angels falling down all over the place. I don't even know. Anyway, there's, the, there's options. You can go somewhere else. So just, just put a smile on your face. What do you need to let go of? Hey, listen, I know it's hard. We started New Spring Church. You know, you know the roots of New Spring Church go back to a Bible study that I started on the campus of Anderson University. Then it was Anderson College. Now it's Anderson University. I started a Bible study there. Somebody came to me. They said, would you start a Bible study? I was like, yes, I'll do it at 11 o'clock on Wednesday nights. They said, nobody will come. I said, then we'll shut it down. It's easy for me, right? If nobody comes, we'll shut it down. So we had like eight people the first night. It was good. That within six weeks, we had 100. God was moving. And listen, it was a Bible study. No music. A girl showed up with a violin one time. We let her play Amazing Grace. It wasn't that good, but we let it happen. <laughs> but it was a Bible study. We did that for like three or four years. We started the church, and we still kept the Bible study going. And listen, I was preaching Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then doing a separate Wednesday night Bible study. Sunday morning, Sunday night, separate Wednesday night Bible study. So, and the Bible study, listen, listen, it was good. It was good. But it wasn't growing. It got to the point where we had 150, 175 students at 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night. We moved it to 10. I was getting a little older. We moved it. But, but it went, and so we made the decision as a staff. We said, you know what? We've got to kill the Bible study. The very thing that helped New Spring get started, we got to let it go. And when we did, people got mad. 
And they got over it. And the church grew. Because we stopped looking in the mountains for what used to be anointed and we moved on to what was now anointed. Listen, you got to do it. Hey, when we, when we opened this facility right here, we had heard of other churches. And listen, I'm not down on this. If your church does this, please don't take this as a crack. I'm just saying, we did a program called First Wednesday. On the first Wednesday of the month, we got together and we would bring people in and we would worship and I would preach. It's called First Wednesday. Now, if you do First Wednesday, awesome. Praise God. Do it. It stunk for us. You probably do it better than us. That's why it's working. Listen, we got, we got about a year and a half into this thing. And on a Wednesday afternoon, somebody came to me and said, what are we doing for first Wednesday tonight? You know what? I think tonight's going to be a worship night. We're just going to sing a lot. Y'all sing till I figure something out. Like I, and we realized that nobody was enjoying it. The staff wasn't enjoying it. Like it was literally draining the life out of our church. You know what God said as we prayed about it? Let it go. Let it go. People are going to get mad. People have gotten mad since Genesis 3. (laughs) Is there anything in your church that you need to let go of? Because listen, if Joshua doesn't let go of Moses in the mountain, he never sees the walls of Jericho fall. He never gets to Joshua chapter 10, as my friend Stephen Furtick wrote about, and got got to see the sun stand still. Joshua misses some of his greatest miracles, miracles that you and I preach about and talk about, those never happen if he, don't, if he doesn't move on, if he goes up into the mountains and looks for Moses. Yes, honor Moses. Yes, honor that program. Yes, honor that thing that used to work. Yes, build it up. But when it's over, say it's over, let go, and move on. we got to do that. Number two, get ready. Get ready. Pastors, church leaders, they're a little crazy because you work in the church. And let's face it, you wouldn't work in the church if you weren't called, correct? I heard a guy preach one time. He was like, I don't think God calls people. I think you can sign up to work in the church. And I'm like, you're stupid. Like, I, I, come on, how many of you, let's just be honest. How many times, you don't have to raise your hand, because if you don't raise your hand, you're a liar. How many times, for those of you on staff, you've showed up and went, if I wasn't called here, I wouldn't be here. Man, I would love to work at some Starbucks today. Good gosh. So you're a little crazy, and, and you have big vision. And people think you're crazy because you have big vision. And it's okay, because listen to me, they can't see what you see. And all you, listen, you can't fuss at them for not seeing what you see. You and I, in grace and love, because Jesus was patient with us, correct? We've got to be patient with people. And we just got to point them to, to allow them to see what we see. When, and when they don't see what we see, they think we're crazy. I discovered this one night when I was at Outback. Love Outback. Love Outback. And I was there one night with some friends. Karis, my little awesome, beautiful Godly daughter that lost her first tooth the other day, <laughs> but she swallowed it. <laughs> we didn't try to find it. I just m- made one out of a napkin. Um, it was on this side, and we were some friends, and they had a little boy. His name is Branson. He's on the other side, and um, 
I don't know what it is about a baby, but a baby, you bring a baby into a room and it lowers the IQ 50 points just like that because everybody's like, I was thinking about that. Oh, and so like that's what we do. So I'm looking at Branson and I'm literally looking at him and I just looked at him and I went, and he started laughing. Now, I don't know what it is about a baby laughing, but that just brings joy to you, does it not? I mean, especially if it's your baby and the baby's laughing. And so, like the whole meal, that's what I did. I'd be sitting there and he'd be looking at me. I'd go, he'd be like, that kind of sounded like witch hazel. So, I mean, we sat there for about an hour, we're hanging out. We got out of the booth, and I noticed this lady in the next booth is giving me a really weird look. I get that all the time. I mean, I'm fine with that, right? So Jason, my friend, gets out, and they get Branson out, and she looks at Branson. She looks at me. She looks at Branson. She looks at me. She went, oh, thank God. I was like, excuse me, ma'am. I beg your pardon. What are you talking about? She said, I didn't see that baby. She said, I thought it was weird. About every five minutes, you looked at me and went, I was like, I get that. But she thought I was crazy because she couldn't see what I see. You've got people in your church, when you cast big vision, that think you're crazy. In fact, let me just go ahead and say this for the record. It's become quite popular for pastors to apologize for having big vision. What the hell is that? Tweet that. Because somebody telling you that you shouldn't have big vision from your church is straight from the pit of hell. That's where it's from. And I don't think pastors should run around apologizing for having big vision. We should have bigger vision than Disney World. We should have bigger vision than Apple because the product that we're producing is actually going to matter in 100 years. The iPad 3 is going to be in a junk pile and the church is still going to be growing and lives are still going to be being changed and the name of Jesus Christ is still going to be saving people. Don't you dare apologize for big vision. Don't you dare apologize for big vision. The crap is that? People leaving the church, people that used to be on staff, and they'll start blogs going, the church is this, and the church is this. Don't even read that crap. Don't even read it. It's ridiculous. If there was a brain surgeon that killed 10 people in a row, and then he went out and started a blog on brain surgery, would you read it? No. But we'll call these people experts, let them write a book, and invite them to our conferences. Can anybody spell stupid? Don't apologize for big vision. Look at what God, I'm just, I just, I just, this is what God told Joshua. He'd never seen anything like this. My, Moses, my servant, is dead. Throw that in there again. Now then, you and all these people, all these people, all, by the way, there's over a million of them, get ready. Get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. 
Watch this, verse 3. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. God is saying, I'm about to give you land that will blow your mind. If we read earlier in the New Testament, he didn't say, I'm going to give you a house. He said, I'm going to give you houses. I'm going to give you villages. I'm going to give you vineyards. I'm going to blow your mind. I want you to have big vision, Joshua, because in order to get these people to where I want them to go, you're going to have to have big vision. Get ready, because we're on the way. I believe God's telling some church leaders here, get ready. I believe... The church, see, I hear these, you hear the doomsday, well, the church is in trouble. 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 Church isn't in trouble. The church today has more potential to reach the world than it ever has had to reach the world. We've got, li- listen, we've got everything we need, and you and I as church leaders don't need to apologize for having big vision. Well, I've been accused of it being all about the numbers. Yes and amen. Because every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. You better be about the numbers. Hey, if you're not about the numbers, stop taking the offering. If you're not about the numbers, empty your bank account today. Stop looking at your 401k. It doesn't matter. It's numbers. If you're not about numbers, don't get mad at your teenager when they fail a test. It's numbers. See, we're passionate about the numbers we're passionate about. Church leaders need to be passionate about the numbers that God is passionate about. And God is passionate about people being reached for Jesus. Hey, you believe that song you sang a while ago? No other name has the power to save. No other name has the power to save. Then it's our job to walk outside these walls and reach people for Christ and have growing ministries. God is saying, get ready. Now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing. And I understand this. People go... Every time we talk about this, it'll be on, it's probably already on Twitter. <laughs> Noah preached for 100 years and didn't have one single convert. A couple things about that. Number one, you're not Noah. <laughs> Number two, we're only six chapters into the Bible. Is it safe to base your entire theology of evangelism on the first six, chap- six chapters? Number three, God had already predetermined to destroy the entire world. And he told Noah to build a boat and rescue his family. And those were the only people he was rescuing. You haven't got that message. Neither have I. Number four, the whole bloodstained cross, empty tomb thing hadn't happened yet. The whole... Holy Spirit falling from heaven hadn't happened yet. Can we say, can we, can, can, we, can we all agree that it's probably not best to base our church growth philosophy on Noah? By the way, in Genesis 9, he got drunk and passed out naked in a tent. You want to do that too? I don't know about your church. I'd get fired. Some of y'all might get a raise. I don't know. All right, so this is my other favorite. This is my other favorite. Jesus lost the crowds once. One time. And people want to base their entire church growth philosophy on it. Oh, and by the way, he had just told them, eat my flesh and drink my blood. If that's my message this Sunday, we're going to be a little down the next Sunday, don't you think? <laughs> hmm? 
You ever tried that one, pastors? Hey, guys, here's the message today. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Let's pray and go home. I don't know. I think I'm going to the church down the road. Jesus lost the crowd one time. Every, everywhere he went, there were crowds. That's why he had to get the boat, you know, thing. He's backing up in the boat, and people are crowding around. He's telling people, we got to get out of here, Pete, and get the boat ready. I mean, it, crowds everywhere. In John chapter 6, he said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and lost the crowds. And people based, well, you know, Perry, our church ain't growing, but Jesus lost the crowds. Yeah, but he lost them once. But did you ever think, if, I mean, if, if, it, if the Bible ended at John chapter 6, we'd be okay. But what do we do with John chapter 8, where Jesus said, I'm the light of the world? What do we do with John chapter 10, where Jesus said, I'm the gate, and the sheep can't enter through another gate but me? What do we do in John chapter 10, when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd? What do we do with John chapter 11, where Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life? What do we do with John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me? What do we do with John chapter 15, verse 5, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And what do we do with John chapter 20, verse 21, where Jesus says, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. What do we do with that? Hey, when the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, what are the two elements to describe the Holy Spirit falling? Wind and fire. What do you do when you get wind and fire together? I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't control it. And wind and fire, when they get together, are consuming. God has called us to reach this world for Jesus. Well, Perry, our church, we're really focused on disciples. Let me tell you something. Show me one disciple in the Bible that wasn't an evangelist. Show me one. If you don't have evangelists, you don't have disciples. You have Pharisees that can study the scriptures but miss Jesus. Remember he told them about that in John chapter 5? But if you don't have evangelists, you don't have disciples because in the scriptures, every disciple was an evangelist. Get ready. And don't you, listen, pastor, senior pastor, listen to me. Don't you dare apologize for having big vision. Don't you dare apologize for wanting to reach more people. Don't you dare apologize for wanting to see more people, lost people get found and found people get grown up. Souls power washed, marriages restored, addicts set free, children growing up in a church they actually love. Don't you dare apologize for big vision in your church. And if they call you crazy, it's because they can't see what you see. It's okay. Number three, I think the third thing he said is I'm here. How often do we forget that he's with us? Every day? Oh, I forget it. Somebody cuts me off in traffic, I forget all about his presence, don't you? <laughs> now, the world does a good job of building a brand. The world has built a brand, and the world's built a brand so effectively that we quote their brands all the time. Karis has a little um, four-year-old friend named Owen, and the other day, we were playing that game. Have you ever played that game, What's Pig Say? Moo, you know, oink. I mood. Pig doesn't say moo. It might in the south. We're a little jacked up down here. What's the dog say? What's the cat say? Literally, true story. They asked Owen the other day. They said, Owen, what's a cow, what's a cow say? And he went, eat more chicken. <laughs> I called a friend that works at Chick-fil-A. I was like, bro, you guys have done it, okay? The cow thing has been effective. But you know what? They say it over and over and over and over again. Pastors, church leaders, let me ask you this question. How many times in the Bible does God say, I'm with you? 
I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsaken you. Hey, listen, there are people in this room, me included, we've freaked out more over somebody leaving our church and not even been, you know what? God's still here. It's going to be all good. Well, the biggest giver left. God's still here. It's going to be all good. But that staff member went to another church. God's still here. It's going to be all good. You know what, pastors, church leaders? God has promised us that he will be with us. He's with you. You're not alone in this thing. I feel alone. The reason we feel alone is because we're focused more on our worry than we are the presence of God. This is what he told Joshua. Watch this. This is so good. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Then he goes on to say this. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. Verse 8, do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's a promise. That is a promise. Our main objective every Sunday we get together should not be to have really awesome worship services, but to help our people recognize the presence of God. Because if our people begin to understand that God is with them, they become unstoppable when they walk out these doors. Our biggest obligation is to help people know Jesus and understand that, you know what, he's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. God, church leader, God is with you. Three ways, if you want to write this down, these aren't going to pop on the screen, but three ways I just kind of jotted down in my Bible. Three ways we can see and truly understand that God is with us. Number one, it's the power of preaching his word. We're going to do a breakout session this afternoon. Um, or, uh, right after this session, me and Shane Duffy and Lee McDermott on how to put a service together. It's going to be the most frustrating thing that some of you have ever attended because this is what we do. We open the Bible and we start there. We open the Bible, we start there. We don't go, there was this really cute, cool YouTube verse, our YouTube thing, maybe we could fit a verse and, and, get, and, and, and do it. No, 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 we, we start with God's word. I'm telling you, when we begin to preach God's word, like because the, the Bible says that it does not return void, right? When we begin to preach God's word, I'm telling you, it will blow our mind. And the problem today, pastors, and listen, we got to stop this, is you and I are tempted to spend more time on Facebook than actually have our face in the book figuring out what God wants to say to our church. The preaching of God's word. The second way we know that God's with us is an increasing love for God's people. Isn't it hard to love God's people sometimes? You can be honest. I, some of them are with you right now. Don't look down the aisle. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's hard to love God. You know why? Because ministry's messy, isn't it? Hey, if you have a bunch of pretty people at your church that never have problems, your church sucks. We got jacked up people here at New Spring. I mean, they are jacked up. They are messed up, scraggly looking. Those are the staff. I'm not even talking about the people that roll in here every week. We, got, we, are, we are a messed up group of people. 
I've stood in the lobby, had a guy come up, one of, that was a great service, <sighs> okay? I couldn't drive home after he breathed on me. I, I would have failed a DUI test, but I'm telling that those are the people I want in my church. And you know what we're called to do? We're called to love those people. Moses made the greatest example of this. Remember Moses goes up on the mountain for 40 days, and, 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 and God writes down the Ten Commandments on the thing. And what are the, what are the Israelites doing down in the valley? They're like, we don't know what happened to Moses. Aaron, make us a calf, which we always worship stupid things when we turn away from God. So they start worshiping this calf. They're dancing around, and God goes, hey, you better go down to your people. They're not God's people anymore. God's like, they better go to your people. And Moses goes down, and they're all like running around naked, just lost their mind. It's crazy. And God goes, hey, Moses, let me kill them and make you a brand new people. Now, pastors. How many Sunday nights if God showed up at your house and said, hey, bro, come here. I'll kill everybody and give you a brand new church. Done! You don't even care. Done! Come on now, be honest. God, yes, kill everybody, Jesus. You felt it? Here's the deal. Moses got on his face for another 40 days and begged God to have mercy on them. That's why he was such a great leader. He cared more about his people than he did his position as a leader. And if you and I will begin to care more about our people than our position as a leader, the presence of God will become more obvious in our lives. Hey, you know what? Those people have problems. I'm about to lose my mind with them. How many times, like, what if God would have been as patient with you as you are with them? The Bible says he is patient. He is kind. That's the way we should be. The, um, the third thing I had, to, I had to write this down oh, is, is increasing love for the vision. Hey, I want to say something to the staff members right here. When the presence of God is in a place, the, the vision and the love for the vision will increase. I'm wondering this, and I'm just going to throw this out. And I always encourage the senior pastors. This is unleashed. Will they always encourage the senior pastor? Mm-hmm, I do. Because pastors receive a lot of attention. They don't receive a lot of care. Staff members, I'm wondering, how many of you have ever told your senior pastor, I've got your back, and I'm here, and we're going to walk through this thing together? I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how good it gets. I'm with you. I've told our staff before, hey, guys, and listen, this is going to really hack some people off, and I'm, I'm glad because we got your money. <laughs> I've told our staff before, if you have a resume on your computer, destroy it or send it out. Either way, it has no place in this church. I don't want a staff member with a resume because if I've got a staff member with a resume, I've got somebody to leave me in the heat of battle. I've had people say, I might try to come and steal that staff member. If you can hire anybody on my staff, take them with you today. Take them with you. Because I want to know that my staff has my back. And when I walk in the battle, they're with me. Hey, listen, some of y'all clapping, some of y'all not. I'm telling you, I said it last year, I'll say it this year. If you're, if you're more eager to hear a podcast from another pastor than you are to hear your pastor preach on Sunday, quit your church and go serve that pastor. Quit your church and go serve that pastor because he's your pastor. 
You get behind your pastor. You get behind your church leader. Well, I can't get behind him. Then quit taking the paycheck from the church. Quit taking the paycheck. Because I'm telling you, if the presence of God is in a place, the, the, love and the love for the vision and the passion for that vision is going to increase. That's what I'm praying for your churches. That's what I'm praying for our church. Number four, let's do this. That's what, that's what I think the last thing is. It's so cool. After God says all this, the Bible says, so Joshua ordered the officers of the people. Now, hold on, guys. Joshua didn't know what this looked like. Joshua didn't have a three-year strategic plan. Listen, for all you people that have a three-year strategic plan, it's not going to work. Well, ours did. Well, it's because you did it without faith, probably. Because the Bible says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. So you plan too safe. Your three-year strategic plan is, if, if you can tell me what's going to happen in your church in the next three years, this is what I can tell you. God's not going to work in your church over the next three years. Joshua had no idea what was about to happen. Show me anybody in Scripture other than Jesus that knew exactly what was about to happen. Why did the book of Acts happen? Well, they had this five-year strategic growth plan. No, the Holy Spirit fell and people lost their freaking minds. That's, that's, that's what happened. <laughs> I believe that boy over there is talking Italian. You know, that, I mean, it, it was, it was, anyway. <laughs> Joshua ordered all, the, and I'm, listen, listen, all the strategy people, you just got mad. And you're going you're gonna to send me a chart and a graph and a bar thing. That's awesome. You can't chart or graph the book of Acts. Tweet that. Anyway, anyway here we go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people Go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. So right here, you already have Joshua repeating God. Get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Joshua was like, we're going to take a step of faith. Joshua, what we, how are we going to take the land? I don't know. God said go. What are we going to do when we get the Jordan River? I have no idea. God just said go. Well, how are we going to cross the Jordan River? I, I, you know what? I don't know. He did this thing with the Red Sea, with the interstate highway thing. Maybe he's going to do it again. I don't, maybe we're all going to walk on water because somebody did that later on in the Bible. I don't know. I don't know. Well, how are we going to? What, what, what's our battle plan? I, I don't know. He said get ready and go. This is a huge, isn't it amazing when God leads us to take a step of faith, he only shows us the next step? God, I want a plan. Here, God's like, here's my plan. Listen to me. Believe me. Do what I say. Well, God, I, God, I want to. Quick question. How many of you here in the next door, how many of you have ever been skydiving? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You skydive. Raise, raise it high. Raise it high. Raise it high because I am going to make fun of you. Raise it high. <laughs> and you put it down. No, 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 no. You jumped out of a perfectly good airplane. Oh, it's an adrenaline rush. I can get one of those with a Red Bull. Think about this. Let's, let's walk through this logically. You paid money. Think of a lot better ways to spend that money. You paid money to get into an airplane that you knew was not going to land with you in it. You put a tablecloth on your back. It's a tablecloth, okay? I remember gym class. You remember in gym class where you did, did the parachute thing? You, that, that's, that was a, that's a tablecloth. It's a tablecloth. Y'all wanted you guys, so, so you put a tablecloth 
on your back. And this is what somebody always tells me. When you jump, you jump tandem. You strap to somebody. You strapped yourself to a stranger. <laughs> hey, Frank. And I'm like, with me, it just means I die with this fool. That's all it means. <laughs> they opened the door, told you to jump, and you did it. How much faith did that take? Somebody must have just done this last night. I, I don't know. The motel jumping off with a bed sheet. I have no idea if y'all were doing that. How insane is that? But people do it all the time. And people tell me, oh, it's the biggest rush. It's the biggest rush. It's the biggest rush. It's the biggest rush. I, I'll get a rush when I get to heaven. I, I, I don't need one of those. But it takes, listen, for, for all of you that raised your hand, here's what I know. It took incredible faith. You know what? God's calling us to strap ourselves to him. To strap ourselves to him. And to take a leap of faith because God wants to accomplish great things in our church. And listen, he wants to do it in your church. If the Bible is real, if Jesus Christ really did rise from the grave, if he really is alive today and the only way for salvation, and if the power of the Holy Spirit is available to every single one of us, then it is inconsistent for us to show up in our church services week after week and expect nothing to happen and be satisfied when nothing happens. Are we tracking? Let's do this. Let's take the step of faith that God is leading us to take because I believe this. I believe this with all my heart. I believe this with all my heart. Church leaders here today, senior pastors, youth pastors, children's pastors, volunteers, I believe God is calling your church to take a step of faith. It doesn't make sense. You don't know how it's going to happen which forces you to your knees and worship to trust the one who really does have the whole world in his hands. Let's pay attention to him rather than the people going, I don't think that can be done. God specializes in, I don't think that can be done. Hey, we're willing to preach those miracles. Let's leave here today being willing to be those miracles and live those miracles. Because the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let me tell you where this all came ahead of me and uh, to a head for me and I'm done. God's doing great things all over the world. I've heard for years the church is in trouble. I'm not seeing the church in trouble. I'm seeing the church growing. I'm seeing the church reaching people. I'm seeing the church. I'm seeing lives. You're here today. Many of you, you've seen people saved this year. You've seen people baptized this year. Many of you are hitting me up on Twitter. You're saying, four people got saved in my church. I celebrate every time I see that. I'm like, four people just came from death to life. Yes and amen. Praise God. Yes, I will celebrate that. Christians are the only people that, that apologize for celebrating for victory. But I'll tell you where this hit me. Because some of you, listen, I know what it's like to be stuck going, I think I know what my step of faith is, but I can't do it. And we become like that guy in the scripture that came to Jesus with, remember the sick boy? He said, if you can heal him. And Jesus said, if. And the guy said, Lord, I, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Give me faith, God. Would you, would you just give me faith? 
That needs to be some of our prayer at the end of this session today. God, give me faith to take the step that you've called me to take. Just give me faith. I'll tell you where this came. I, um, last year, um, or about, about a year and a half, two years ago, I had the privilege of going to the UK and doing a leadership roundtable over there. And it was so much fun. I met some amazing people. Um, and we kind of formed a partnership with two churches. And this past fall, I got to go and visit those two churches. Um, and in fact, we've got people from both of those churches here today. Our, our friends from Freedom, yes, they are awesome. Love them. And then we got Jacob and his crew from Estonia. This is Jacob. They're not as loud in Estonia. But um, I got to meet Jacob on that trip. And so we began talking. Jacob, um, Jacob, how old were you when you planted your church? 19 years old. 19 years old. I, I came back and told our church, I was like, our 19-year-olds play PlayStation. Their 19-year-olds plant churches. So at 19, he plants a church. His worship leader is a sister who's 18. I met their entire leadership core when I was over there. They were from the ages of 16 to 22. Estonia is less than 1% evangelical Christian. And they had about, started a church, 50, 75, 100 people. And Jacob, man, he emails me and I get his emails and I'm like, yes! You know, he's like, we baptized you know, four people, and I always just get so pumped up. And I always, Jacob, when I read your emails, I always, I always hear them like you would say them to me. So I hear them in your accent, so it's always so cool. I'm not even going to try to imitate it, but it's awesome. And so we emailed, and I said, I said, we're coming over on a trip. We would love to come to your country and do something and teach leaders. And Jacob emailed me back and he said, I, I want you to preach an evangelism. We're going to do an evangelism seminar. I want you to preach an evangelistic message um, at this evangelism seminar. And I emailed him back. I was like, I don't preach. I don't speak Estonian. He emailed me back and said, we'll get you an interpreter. I emailed him back and said, I don't know if this is a good idea. And he's, he emailed me back and said, this would mean a lot to me. I was like, all right. I, I was nervous because in the South, people get me, right? How y'all doing? They don't get that in Estonia. How y'all doing? So I was nervous, and I emailed him back, and I said, what are your goals? And Jacob, they, these guys, man, they're doing church. They had about 75, 100, up to 125 people. And Jacob told me, I still got the email. He said, we're praying for over 200 people to come and hear the gospel. Now, listen, I want you to listen to me. That's a big deal in Estonia. It's a big deal. We're praying for 200 people. And I said, well, we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray that 200 people will show up at this thing. So that day I got to spend some time with church leaders from all over Estonia, and it was so much fun. And that night, I'm, you know, we're eating dinner. I'm a little nervous. We go to this gym. They had rented a gym. They had set up a stage. It was amazing. I mean, it was, and people started streaming in. And I was like, I think we're going to make 200. And Jacob, how many did we have that night? 226 or 234? Yeah, 240, 240. Let's keep going up, man. I like that. I like that. <laughs> Love the way you think. 240 people showed up. 200. Listen. Listen. Because a 19-year-old said, I think this is what God wants me to do. We preached the gospel that night. I think 26 people gave their lives to Christ. And... 
But the thing I left Estonia with, the thing I left Estonia with is they've got so much faith. They really do believe if God tells them to do something, they're crazy enough to think it can be done. And right before I went up to preach, I'm standing in the back and I'm watching this service. And Jacob's sister, Laura, is on stage and she's leading worship. And she's singing this song that I recognize, but it's an Estonian, so I don't get it. And all of a sudden, it hit me about a fourth of the way to the song. They're singing a song put out by Elevation Church. Chris Brown wrote it. It's called Give Me Faith. And there's, she's singing it in Estonian. And I was ruined. Because God spoke to me in that gym in Estonia and said, because all it takes is faith. you got to believe that I am who my word says I am. And you got to believe I can do what my word says I can do because the church is still my bride and the church is still my plan and I'm on the throne and she will not be stopped. And so we thought, what better way to end this session than to have everybody here literally just pray, give me faith. And we thought there's no better way to end it than bring out Chris Brown, the guy that wrote the song, and bring out Laura, Jacob's sister, to sing it in Estonian. And let them lead us in a time of worship together. And when we walk out of this session, after, after the song, and after the song's over, we got one more thing, so don't leave. When we walk out of this session, we'll walk out of here knowing God is who he said he is. And he will do what he said he would do because he believes in your church. He planted your church, and greater things are coming. So can we pray together? Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, give us faith. God, I believe every church leader here today is wrestling. God, they're wrestling with what you want them to do. Because, God, nowhere in the scriptures did you ever ask anyone to do anything easy. Nowhere. And Father, I know there are some church leaders in this room that are scared to death because the step of faith that you have called us to take absolutely makes no sense. Father, I pray that over these next few moments that the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit would be so real in our lives. God, that we would let go of things so we could move forward. God, that we would understand that you are with us, that we would get ready, and God, that we would have faith. God, help us in our unbelief to absolutely fix our eyes on you and do everything that you have said. We ask this, Jesus Christ, in your name and all God's people said.